Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. Steve, were you at, uh, Mr. Conway, uh, were you at SPX like two years ago? Yes. I I'm about? pretty sure we met, and I'm almost positive I have a middle age. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, was, I, I want to say it was two years ago. Yeah, that was the last time I was there. I, I had done it for the first 20 years of that show. I've been at this for a while, and uh, I, but uh, I love that show so much. I, I moved down to Florida about three years ago, so it's been tougher to go, but um, if I can ever swing it, I do. I do set up there. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it, it, it uh, uh, stuck out in my, my mind, like the, just hearing the, the title, and I was, I was Googling around. You draw Wrightson's Frankenstein Swamp Thing, and it's a version of Superman. I want to say it's the uh, like the American Revolution Superman. It was uh, my or the Civil War. No, it was my cheesy version of Captain Stern. All the Wrightson oh, characters. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, like gotcha. Heavy metal. Yeah, that's, that's it. I was working on that episode when Wrightson, when the news came around that Wrightson had passed away, and I was like, okay, I'm drawing a, a busy bar scene. I could have them all lifting a pint to him. Dude, you look very solemn. Well done, sir. Thanks. See, anyway, sorry, like that, Mike. Go I, ahead. No, go ahead. no, there's nothing to be sorry about, man. I, I like that you guys have, have met and connected, and uh, you're fans of his other work too. Um, I I got introduced to you, Steve, um, through a mutual friend through Ben Shaw, um, because like we had first started working on uh, our comic book, Ethan Stone, and he was like, "Oh, I got this buddy named Steve. You know, he comes by the coffee shop every now and then." And I showed him our stuff, and he was like, oh, hey, you know, it's good. And I was like, well, who's this guy? I've never heard of him before. And I looked you up, and I saw the Star Trek stuff that you did, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's really cool. And, like, I was like, if this guy thinks our stuff is okay, I'm, then I think we'll be all right. This is this is a good sign. Well, I liked what you were doing. I uh, I, I know Ben got sidetracked for a little while there. Um, like, he was dealing with some eye problems, but, uh, you know, I'm excited to see that he was doing some more work. He's... So I'm excited to... I want more Ethan Stone. I dude, me and me and you both. I have like fifteen scripts ready for him, but like, not only did he have some eye problems, he actually had eye surgery, and for a while, like, you know that um, it was the second, um, it was the second twenty eight days later movie, twenty eight weeks later, I think, where when you got the rage virus, your eyes turned blood red. That's what Ben's eyes looked like for about a month. Um, but then on top of that, he he developed arthritis as well. So it, it was painful for him to draw. So he just like he's like cursed. I, I I don't know if he went to Egypt and upset some sort of tomb somewhere, but like he did something to piss somebody off because like that poor dude has just had the worst luck. And we're we're trying to get the third issue of of Ethan Stone finished up right now, but um, it's it's like ninety nine percent of the way done. He's trying to finish the lettering, but he ran into a problem with um I can't remember the name of the program that you that he uses on his Mac for um lettering and for um microsoft word th- thanks steve <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> like a goddamn professional <laughs> that's the one that's for words excels for the numbers how, how do you not know this you're an adult <laughs> yes and of course yeah and he used helvectia you know and 14 point he's good um yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully we'll have something soon. I've actually, like, because of the problems that he's been having, I've actually been working on turning the scripts into books. And I'm going to try to do an Ethan Stone novel and maybe just use a few of his sketches that he did to just kind of like, uh, kind of like what um, what Tolkien used to do with Lord of the Rings, where there would be, like, the entire middle portion of the book was, like, it was, like, 20 pages of just artwork. Like, that sort of stuff. So we'll see how oh, that goes. Great. We'll see how that goes. Um 
Thank you guys for joining us, whoever's listening right now. It's our, our wonderful and fabulous cold open that we do here at GGR Pirate Radio. I am joined by a duo of Steve's. Uh, the first one is uh, the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio. His name is Steve Monick. Much in akin to our other Steve's work, I will be, he can be Steve the artist, and I'll be Steve the, the annoying joke maker. Well, there you go. So this artist that he speaks of, we've had him on the show once before, but he's back for his glorious and fabulous return. His name is Steve Connolly. Hey, everyone. And we also have everyone's favorite media critic and artist extraordinaire. His name is James Rambo. Hey, everybody. We are going to be talking about, we we briefly mentioned it in our 2018 wrap-up episode the best comics of 2018, but we only like scratched the surface. And who better to talk about the best comics of 2018 than one, James Rambo, who is an artist, but then also works at a comic book store. And then two, Steve Connolly, a guy who is, who we chose as one of our favorite comic book artists of 2018, but also just does amazing. I've, I've never seen anything where I'm like, eh, that's okay. Everything that Steve Connolly puts out is just amazing. So who better to have on our show than somebody who just rocks amazing art every single time ink touches paper. I'm sure he's going to give us the, oh, sometimes things I draw stink. But Steve, I'm sorry you're perfect every time. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> Shut up, baby. I know it. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's go ahead and kick this thing off. We're going to hit the theme music right now because this is GGR Pirate Radio. We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Do it! Do it! Come on! Kill me! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Kill me! This is called Pirate Radio. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. Wayne, you going to win on this? Oh, there's nothing better than a fart. What's up, kids falling off bikes, maybe? I could watch kids fall off bikes all day. I don't give it to the magic kids. This is called Pilot Radio. But, Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all 50 states in a quarter of a second. This is called Pilot Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> this is called Pilot Radio. Rambo, make theme music. Go. That's it. That's all you got. Very jazzy to start there. Kind of like scat music. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I want to change it up a little bit. Not a one trick pony. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is GGR Pirate Radio. We have a wonderfully special episode. We're kind of going back to our recap of 2018 and the things that we love the most. We're focusing just on comics this time because we have a wonderful and fabulous guest. His name is Steve Connolly, and he is the artist of The Middle Age. We've also got with us our GGR stalwarts. We have, of course, as always, we have 
Mr. Steve Monick, the co-founder of GGR. That's me. I'm here. I'm still wearing pants. Don't worry about it. Hooray. I like that this, for 2019, you decided that you're going to wear pants to the episode, so I appreciate that. I did, yeah. It's a good move. Uh, We also have, uh, I cannot confirm or deny pants for Mr. James Rambo, but he is here as well. I'm just going to let that remain a mystery. You'll never know. (laughs) All right, guys. So I wanted to jump in feet first into this comics thing. Um, And let's talk to our guest first because, Steve, tell us a little bit about – because, I mean, the last time we were talking to you when we had you on the podcast, you were doing the Kickstarter for uh, your book, The Middle Age. First off, how did the Kickstarter end up going for you? Because I know you were pretty close to hitting the goal. Oh, it did great. Um, I was – I'm still amazed. Uh, they had a goal of 5,000 and you know, this includes shipping people who look at Kickstarters go, Oh wow, look how much money that I always look at it and go, Oh wow, look how much money the post office made. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it did really, really well. We had 471 backers and that was about 470 more than I was really expecting. And it, it's been great. I'm still fulfilling it. It turned out, it turned out to be such a bigger project. I kept adding things as kind of like, not so much incentives as much as thanks for everyone for being, you know, they weren't really so much these kind of carrots for people to, to, to entice people to sign up. It was more like rewards for people for being awesome. And so I just kept adding things to it. So I've added all these things and the books are finally going to be arriving. Um, and it, it blew me away. Amazing response from people. It raised $19,000 and then another thousand or so through Backer Kid on top of it. So way bigger than I imagined. And I'm going to say it was because of GGR. It was the bump from uh, from the Pirate Radio. The Pirate Radio bump. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the first time. Of course, yeah. And I think we're going to have to like copyright that term, the, the Pirate Radio bump. Like That'll be... <laughs> Be something if you like, want to sell things in Portland, Oregon, you come on our show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's our state. Um, weird, weird aside, Steve Connolly, we found out that like we, I was doing all the analytics and metrics for the year and seeing like, you know, hey, these are the states that we were listening to the most. And you would figure it would be like Virginia and Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., Maryland, like this area, because that's where all of us are from. We were outpaced by the state of Oregon by, like, thousands of people. For whatever reason, we are huge in Oregon, and I have no idea why. Throughout the year? Just a, a specific episode? No, just, like, every every episode. Like, more people listened to and went to the website to read articles from the state of Oregon than any other state combined. Like, even if you combined Maryland, Virginia, and Pennsylvania, and D.C., Oregon still outpaced all of them. That's amazing. Yeah, and I still no idea why. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I don't even care because go Oregon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but when I start wearing like Oregon Ducks gear, right? Uh, start following the Portland Trailblazers. Like hey, there, there are there are new teams now. <laughs> if things ever get bad where you're living, you'll be like, I'm moving to Oregon. They appreciate me there. <laughs> um, but kind of back to <laughs> back to the Middle Age. Um, so it's. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's just going gangbusters for you, man. I mean, like almost $20,000 worth of support is is fantastic. I mean, review-wise, have you been getting any any good press on this? I mean, like have you been having review sites or awards or anything like that for the Middle Age? It's gotten some nominations. I got – in 2017, I was uh, really fortunate to get an Eisner nomination oh, wow, um, nice. in the Best Webcomic category and then – and also in 2017 – in the best webcomic and best cartoonist category in the Ringo Awards. And then in 2018, the 
another best webcomic nomination. So I've, it's a it's a very award losing uh, comic strip. It's one it's lost a lot of awards, but it's uh, so I it, I think I've lost more Ringo awards than anyone at this point. The awards are only two years old. You're the Susan Lucci of uh, of comic awards. Um, but you know, and I, it was the the strip was always up against amazing cartoonists like uh, Scotty Young or um, you know Dean Haspiel or Sanford Green, people who whose works I would I voted for, you know. Uh, so um, to even be included in the same breath as those other cartoonists is is too awesome, especially given that it's such a weird little comic. I mean, it doesn't really fit in the comic strip world. It doesn't really fit in the comic book world. I mean, comic books are actually getting cooler and cool. Well, cooler is the wrong word. They're getting more diverse in terms of style and genre and audiences. But my stuff has never really fit. When I was doing more traditional comics, whether it was Star Trek or Astounding Space Thrills, the series I did before this one, people thought it was retro. People thought I was like kind of doing a, a throwback comic. And that was just my style. I wasn't <laughs> I'm not trying to be old fashioned. Uh <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. I, I think my work just looked weird, and uh, and the new thing is weird too, because um, I wasn't trying to make it for the longest time in my art career. I kept trying to make it perfect. Like I want to draw like Steve Rude. I want to draw like Jim Steranko. I want to look. I want to be powerful like Jack Kirby or perfect like Hal Foster. And then at some point, I just realized I want to make it funny. And when I st- stopped trying to draw perfect and started trying to draw funny. It kind of loosened me up a lot, and that's where this strip came from. It's, it was just every episode. I I just wanted to make me chuckle, you know. Uh, if I can make myself laugh, I'm I'm you know. If I'm one in a million, that means three hundred people in the United States will also like it. Something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, I'm one, I'm one of those three hundred then because it, it the comedy that you put through it, I really appreciate. Like it's just it's very like it's not like a lot of dick and fart jokes. I mean, it's, it's, it's subtle. And like, that's not something you often see. And that I, I appreciate that you don't go for the lowest rung of comedy, like so many other places and, and artists, you know, whether it be a cartoon or TV show that they do. I, think, I mean, it's, I think what I, I do have fart jokes in there, but I think it's the idea that you can have a fart joke up against a joke. That's making fun of the medium yeah. or, I don't know, making fun of language or about any kind of expectations. And then you, you put that up against something really lowbrow. And I think that makes the lowbrow thing funnier and it makes the highbrow thing funnier. I don't know. Exactly. It's uh, the, it's the yeah. balance. Like there's, there's not, there's not one particular thing that is like the, this is the only joke we got. This is, you know, this is where a one trick pony you you are able to do a lot of different things with it. And that's really what, what is, it's nice. You don't, you know, it, it's nice to see that it's not just a, Hey, we're going to do the the typical, I mean, and like you said, things have gotten a lot different with comic books lately that it's not the typical, you know, giant muscular dude and, and scantily clad women. And that's it. Like it's, it's story and art together to tell the story and not just balancing one over the other. So it is appreciated for my end, at least. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And also one of the things I'm thinking about it was that if the jokes are, if I told the same kind of joke every week, like it, it would pretty quickly become, you know, Garfield hating Mondays or uh, something like that. Where and also, I think if you were going to read it later as a complete story, it might feel like reading. You know, twenty pages of story might feel like twenty knock knock jokes. Where automatically you'd start getting the cadence of it, and you'd start it would start feeling repetitive and monotonous yeah. and predictable. So as long as I mix it up with like, um, you know, sometimes I'll do a virtually wordless strip, um, and then the next week will just be dumb exposition about. 
girafflings or something dumb. Uh, yeah, I think in the, you, it's, it helps with rereading it or binging it later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with what has been the the biggest struggle that you've had with uh, the Middle Age so far? I think it's always about getting the audience, about finding people. I mean, the there are, and I think you see this with indie game developers too. With when Steam opened up their Steam Direct, where it used to be this kind of the comic book shops were these kind of curated, and the, the Diamond Direct market were these sort of curated enclaves of of content where. You knew that there was only going to be, I don't know, 200 new titles, 200 titles in any given month. And that was still a ton of it in like the 90s. But now you have like 200 a week. Um, and this, the, the growth is just this exponential curve of people who are creators and able to get into the industry. And the direct market's tougher because they've, they've increased the thresholds to get into the comic book shops. But online, how many web comics are there? They're, they're webtoons and tapas and... Uh, social media and every individual site and that's not counting the the hub sites like what spider forest and oh i, I I'm, I'm gonna forget there's probably 10 or 20 different hubs of web comics and they're all producing tons and tons of content so you know just and all of us are in the same exact boat that i'm in we're just one person doing their little project in one little corner of some of the world not even all that frequently um you know i I, want, I expect people to come back to my site every Monday, and even that seems like an expectation because the world changes so much from Monday to Monday. There's like 35 breaking news stories between Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. You know, you don't even, you can't, you know, the idea that anybody ever remembers to come back and check out my comic is a miracle. So it's, with this wall of noise from a billion different creators, all of us with Patreon pages and YouTube channels and Twitter accounts, all it's begging people to subscribe and like and support. It's just amazing that um, I managed to get any attention at all. Yeah, we we hear and we were talking about this um, on our last episode that like it's just it's it's humbling in a way to think that like there are people that take time out of their day and out of their lives to spend it with you, whether it be the art that you created or our, in our instance, you know, our our silly articles that we write or our, our, you know, goofy podcasts that we do that people are like, Hey, I want to spend my time. Cause you know, the, the old adage time is money. People are taking one of the most valuable commodities they have and, and, and wasting it with us is just like, it's humbling to think that there are people out there that are doing that. So I, I totally, totally am with you. Um, Steve Monick, uh, James Rambo, you guys have any questions for, uh, for Steve Connolly before we jump into uh, some of our favorite comics from 2018. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously the Patreon was, was quite successful. Or not the Patreon, the... Um, yeah, it was Patreon, right, that you did the... I did it. Uh, I do both of them, but it was a Kickstarter that I was really... I mean, I, I kind of promote both of them everywhere I go, but the, it was the Kickstarter that surprised me. The Patreon's going really well, too, though. Yeah, so, like, obviously with the success of both of those endeavors, I mean, that's got to be pretty fueling. But, like, have you had anything else that's really, like, kind of fueled you and you're like, man... You know, that really got me going and now I'm hypercharged and ready to go for the next, you know, 10 months, you know, uninterrupted. I'm ready to go because of this fan reaching out or, or, or something that happened at like maybe a convention you were working at. Like, have you had any like success stories that were non-financial that really stand out to you? Uh, there are quite a few. I mean, there there was a, a comic strip that's done by Don Mathias. He does a comic strip called Penizzles and uh, it uh 
he included a, my character in one of his stories. So it's a, every, every once in a while, I'll get a piece of fan artwork or a nod from somebody. Uh, but if the, if the question is really kind of bigger about um, staying motivated and staying jazzed, the Patreon folks really are the ones who do it for me. Because it's not just it's not the money. It's and that's why when when, like, when you set up a Patreon page, you can say whether you want the dollar amount to be visible or not. So the number of patrons you have is always visible, but whether they you show the total amount that's generated, uh, you know each Patreon creator gets to hide show or uh, or hide that, and I've hidden it because the dollar amount's not as important as the person. You know what I mean? Having currently 97 people who support my work, there was times when it was like five people supporting my work, and I definitely wanted to get my comic strip out because because of those five people. Um, so I, I guess that's how you feel about Portland. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's sort of like, <laughs> your digital Portland. <laughs> yeah, it's this, uh, you know, it, there's people who are supporting me and I don't want to let them down. And whenever I put a comic strip up, there's, you know, there's likes and there's a few comments and uh, the people have been very supportive. I've shared it on Reddit and I was expecting to be shredded. Like, you know, everyone says, don't post there. You're going to get you know, your butt handed to you. And um no, they were very kind. Um, so I, I, I've been very fortunate. I think what I'm doing is, I think maybe the timing of what I'm doing is good because when I, my comic strip is just, is, doesn't take place in our world. It's because it's set, it's set in this fictional fantasy world. It doesn't have to deal with the, the stuff in the real world that we're all dealing with. And so it's an escape. And, and, um, and that's really awesome. I, I, I think that that's really served me well right now. Yeah, I mean it's. I, I can definitely understand the the concept of wanting to escape. Like that totally, yeah. that totally makes sense. Uh, Rambo, any questions for Mister Connolly? Um, y'all covered it pretty well, man. Honestly, I'm just really glad that it's working out. Um, like I, said, I mentioned earlier, you know, it was cool to to meet you at SBX, and uh, maybe someday I, yeah, I will finally get through my to be red pile and knock out middle age. <laughs> like you know what I think. <laughs> That'd be great, and I'll be at Baltimore this year. So if you if you oh, all go okay. to uh, Baltimore Comic Con, I'll be there for sure. Oh yeah, no, we'll definitely we'll, we'll we'll have to make that happen for sure. Um, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll dive into um, a little bit of our favorite comics, and then also get to know a little bit about uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mister Steve Connolly. Um, we've we've all talked about Murder Falcon. Like that's we. I gotta see if we can get the guy who does Murder Falcon on on the on the show because like it went from like this is so goofy and over the top. There's no way that this is going to be cool. And then I read it and I was like, no, this is going to be cool. Okay. This is actually really, really enjoyable. And like it, I've been impressed that it takes itself seriously to a certain degree, but also is just like, Hey man, comics are supposed to be fun. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it so far. So Rambo again, thanks to you for, for bringing that up, man, and recommending that one to us. Um, but like the, I, I wanted to start off, and then we'll kind of go roundtable here, and everybody can kind of mention one that they really enjoyed. Um, they just finished the Star Wars Darth Vader run. I want to say it was like maybe twenty five episodes or twenty five issues total, and they just finished it. And it was a, a, for me, for somebody who's such a huge Star Wars fan, and Darth Vader is like my favorite character. I love the whole Anakin turning to the dark side. I, I love that whole story. It added so much depth to it. There were so many beats that throughout this entire series that it added depth to the character and just the way that they ended up ending it. Um, I don't want to spoil it for any of you guys who are still going to read it, but like they tied things together that have been longstanding questions in the Star Wars universe. Um, just 
a round of applause to the guys who, who worked on the Darth Vader series. Like it was just, it was so well done and it was so much fun to read. And like you, everything that you would want from a Darth Vader comic book where you just want him just lighting dudes up and just ripping people to, uh, to shreds with the force. It was all of that was there. And then you also got great story and depth of character. So that, that was, that was my choice for best of 2018. Um, we'll start with our, We'll start with our, our, our esteemed guest, Mr. Steve Connolly. What's what's a comic book that you read in 2018 that you really, really enjoyed? Boy, there were so many. Um, and uh, I'm, I was sticking to comic books as not to... Uh, uh, but I was excited about what Ahoy Comics was doing with okay. Captain Ginger and some of their titles on the wrong earth. I liked that it was independent comics. Um, I mean, I... Uh, I, I have not read a ton of DC and Marvel in a while, so I'm, I'm, I, I know that I need to read Mr. Miracle. It's on my list. Um, but uh, I liked The Wrong Earth and I liked uh, Captain Ginger. I thought both of those series were fun and uh, I like what the publisher is doing. Well, and I, I mean, independent stuff is always good. And that's I'm really glad that you brought that up, too, because so much of us are um, or so many of us are. Marvel and DC, and that's really all we know. And knowing the independent stuff just makes it that much better. And I'm looking at uh, Ahoy Comics right now on their website, comicsahoy.com, and Captain Ginger looks interesting. There's one I'm looking at right now. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what the actual title of it is. It says, Two Identical Heroes Trapped on Each Other's Worlds. Oh, and that's, that's the wrong, wrong Earth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I See? And this is yeah, it, imagine if Adam West Batman and Dark Knight Returns Batman accidentally swapped universes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picture. I'm picturing. I'm picturing um, Dark Knight Batman grabbing Caesar Romero and just pounding his face over and over and over again, just like hitting him so hard that the Dutch angle straightens out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hitting him so hard the makeup is coming off, and you can see the mustache underneath of his uh, his his uh, pancake makeup that he has on. No, please, someone call cut. I don't understand. <laughs> And a lot of comics feel like they're like their treatments for film or television. Like they're doing a comic book that's just a basic a storyboard for film. And these comics felt like comic books to me. They felt I'm like I don't know how they would. I, I felt like there's no plan to ever turn these things into TV shows. They didn't feel like they would adapt themselves well because they they really embraced comic books and kind of the you know like you're talking about with combining Adam West and The Dark Knight. The idea of having this this weird juxtaposition that comic book fans are going to get on a level that a lot of regular audiences wouldn't, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I thought those were fun. That's a great point. Cause I feel like anymore, like when you look at Marvel and just it, whenever a movie comes out, you know, a couple months down the line, you're going to see some comic books with that exact lineup of characters or that costume or that look. And you're like, they're just trying to grab the, the movie audience and make it feel like almost like a novelization of the movie for lack of a better term. So having something that's just its own thing, um, I, I like that aspect of it. Or, or an image series that feels like it's meant for Netflix, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, we got, we got plenty of Mark Miller stories to, you know, point that toward. Right. Well, and I think that that's, that's a really good point that you guys are making with that, too, because we've heard for years now that, uh, oh, the comic book industry is not doing well and numbers are down and numbers are down and numbers are down. Numbers are down for the big guys. But, like, the small guys seem to be doing pretty well. And, like, as somebody who's done it from ground up, like, it's 
it's a lot of work, but also it's it's so rewarding. And your your numbers aren't like for me, it's not about thousands or millions of units sold. It's about like somebody coming and looking at your book and being like, oh, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, let me pick this up. That's the biggest joy out of any of this. And like I think that that's kind of been lost on these big big publishers. And like that's what's great about the independent ones is like like you said, Steve. You know, you, you saw it go from five followers to you know 97 and like that's that's awesome like it's that that you get to have a personal connection with these people who are coming and spending their money on your stuff where marvel's just marvel and dc are probably more focused on that bigger stuff they don't think about those individual transactions oh Which yeah I get, I, oh, go sorry. Ahead, sorry no, no please I'm just think if any of our if any of us independents had a fraction of marvel sales we'd be thrilled but they're yeah. going to cancel a book with those same numbers yeah. so i uh, but it's just a matter of reaching those people. They have the direct. I'm actually thinking about, well, hopefully, well, I think this year I'm going to actually put my uh, toes back in the direct market uh, by doing a comic book version, comic book sized edition of the Middle Age. As much to um, it, reprinting this stuff you've seen already. So um, if you've, so James, if you've already got the collection, it'll be that same material, but just comic book sized. Because cool. I think the comic book fans are still awesome you know they love the material and they pay for the material which the internet audience is not one to do um so i think there's this whole group of people who if i can get a comic book into the comic book stores i if i can reach them maybe bring them back with me to patreon maybe bring me to the next kickstarter uh but i I don't i don't like that i've been the comic book shop was my home for so long i don't like that i've been pushed out of it you know, as an independent creator. So I want to see if there's any way that I can get back in there at least a little bit. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there are a lot of comic book shops. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about living in this area. And actually I was going to ask you about that too. Now that you're in in Florida, Um, the DC Metro area has a great comic book scene. As far as stores, there are so many good shops like Rambo works at one called victory comics. Um, I'm a big fan of one up in Woodbridge called flashback. Um, but just, I mean, like Third Eye Comics um, in the Baltimore slash, like the middle spot between Baltimore and, and D.C. Um, there's just so many great comic book shops. Are, is there any, is it like that in Florida as well? Do you have a good scene down there? I don't think any area in the country, except maybe Portland, let's let's throw some love there, <laughs> uh, has a kind of comic scene that they have in the D.C. Baltimore area. Cards, Comics, and Collectibles up in Towson. Uh, wait, not Towson, Reisterstown, Maryland, uh, Big Planet Comics all over Maryland and Virginia, uh, Victory Comics. It, it was great. I used to go there when I lived in Arlington. Um, oh, awesome. We may have interacted there as well. <laughs> it, yeah, there's. There, I, I think it's partly because that D.C. area has been insulated from a lot of the economic turmoil because they all had that. Well, except for the last 21 days, they've had a lot of yeah. government money. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Uh but down in Florida, no. I mean, there's there 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 aren't that many. This Coliseum of Comics has a bit of a chain, but that's a, that's a drive for me. A new comic shop just opened up locally to me, yeah. Uh, and they're making a go of it, uh, but they seem to focus on, you know, they just they just can't have that kind of rich uh, array of content, um, content of books like Victory and Big Planet and places like that, or Cards, Comics, and Collectibles, which has it there. You go in there and it's like a department store of comics with every genre and then you've got the manga section and you've got it down here it's much more of a uh you know there are pops and i don't know magic cards it seems like uh you know almost like someone put a uh put some tables up and did a uh 
indoor flea market. Uh, I think it's just more of a struggle because the economy down here is just not as healthy. It's easy for me as a freelancer. Most of my clients aren't in the area. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm down here, and my my clients are still up in Washington D.C. Yeah. Um. But uh, who knows? Maybe there's another one around the corner I just haven't found yet. But so far, it's been a little bit sparse. And this comic shows have the same issue. Like if you go in, in uh, the Washington D.C. area, you're so lucky between SPX and the Baltimore Comic Con. Isn't there like a new All Star Comic Con yeah. happening in your? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them. I mean, Awesome Con in DC. I mean, there's yeah, there's All Star Comic Con, there's Nova Comic Con. There, there's there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's a great area for people who love comics. I, I definitely miss that part. Where in Florida are you now? I'm on the East Coast, kind of north of Daytona. Um, oh, okay, all right. Because I actually I have family that live in Flagler County. Sure, and, I'm just a little south of there. Yeah, and like there, uh, my cousin uh, actually lives down there, and he's got a comic book shop, and I'll have to talk to him and be like, hey, I know this guy. But also, I know a guy who's on the other side of the state uh, named John Crowther, who's a creator, and he works with a lot of different uh, comic book shops as well doing his stuff. I might have to set you two up, too, to see if, you know, like, see if you can join forces and maybe uh, get a little bit of a better traction. Because he, he's, he's doing a lot of wrestling comic books um, and working because I mean Florida is like where all the wrestlers go to go to retire and where they all live, um, but yeah, he's got a lot of contacts too. So maybe that could be something that would be advantageous for both of you. That's great. I think I've been at one or two shows with them. I keep doing try. I keep trying these little local shows to kind yeah. of uh, start planting roots down here. So yeah. for all I know, his, his paths and mine have crossed. We just haven't had a chance to talk yet. Yeah. Um, so let's go to Mister uh, Mister James Rambo. Um, Give us a, a comic book. I mean, other, other than Murder Falcon, obviously. Um, obviously, another 2018 gem that you that you stumbled across. Uh, do you want a single issue of a graphic novel or a miniseries or an ongoing series? I I trust your judgment. You go wherever you want, buddy. Um, let's see. Okay, Crowded. There's a comic called Crowded. Um, it is. So artistically, it has this perfect, uh, almost like Tex Avery style, like animated style uh, of artwork. Um, usually, I'm not a big fan of a crowded page, um, pun intended. Um, but uh, the way that the 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 art and the writing are handled in this, like there are times when there's like nine, ten, twelve pages, uh, panels to a page, um, but it all flows incredibly well. Um, the concept is. Uh, it's, it's, you know, in the not too distant future, uh, gig economy has gotten, you know, massive, uh, and among the many, uh, apps and apps and such you can, you can engage in. Um, one is if enough people put forward enough money, uh, you can have someone killed. Um, so you can basically kickstart a murder. Uh, the, Lead in the series uh, has basically had a put, had a hit put on her, um, and she has hired a bodyguard. And the entirety of the miniseries is, or it may, actually may be an ongoing. I'm not, honestly not sure. Um, is her just trying to survive, and her uh, bodyguard trying to not kill her herself? Um, it's really funny, really engaging. Uh, there's a great little sort of mystery surrounding who has put up all this money because this is. Um, with regard to this particular app, no one has had this much money put on them with this many backers. So there's such a massive universal hatred of this woman uh, that we like 
get bits and pieces over time that, yeah, she's just sort of a shitty human being. Um, that uh, uh, it's bringing a lot of uh, professional, like like jobber-style assassins out of the woodwork uh, to claim this bounty. Um, super fun, really uh, really gorgeous art, really funny, um, and a lot of really great com- like social commentary of, uh, of late. And you said the title was, uh, what was it again? Crowded, C-R-O-W-D-E-D. Uh, it is by... Uh, oh, it's from Image. Okay. Uh, it is an Image book. Okay, it is by. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'm looking too, actually. <laughs> uh, oh, Reaper. Reaper is the name of the uh, the app. R e a p r, crowdfunding platform for for killing people. Um, uh, uh, written by Christopher Sabella, uh, who also wrote um, uh, had a little run on Harley Quinn. Wrote a comic called Heartthrob. Um, uh, as well as uh, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think of who does the art. I want to say their name is Triana Farrell. Uh, um, yeah, that's, but what, yeah, that's I mean, what the image website says is that it's Triana Farrell. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, the artists are Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, uh, and Sabella's the, the writer on it. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun, really funny, really engaging. Um Absolutely gorgeous art. Uh, highly recommended. Good stuff. Steve Monick, what you got for us, bud? Yeah, so compared to a lot of the last entries that are a little smaller in the more interesting concepts and everything, um, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, being comic book fans, I'm sure that you have, where you like a thing plenty fine, but you have a friend that's so so into it and it's like infectious and you start to like the thing way more than you would have on your own just because they're so into that you know band or movie or comic book that that's my friend jim with with spider-man uh, i mean he is just up and down in love with it and this year the number 800 issue came out um and it was just kind of the the culmination of everything dan slot's done which he's one of the better spider-man writers that i can think of i mean i really like some of the stories and the twists and turns that he takes with the character um and and just having a friend that's so infectiously in love with the character and then watching it all culminate into a big thing he kind of got me back into spider-man and and comics in general i was kind of lagging for a little while and when the um superior spider-man came out a couple years ago um he's like dude you got to read this it's like doc ock and he's in his in spider-man's brain and everything like that and we were just kind of reading the comics together and going back and forth and, you know, with our theories and everything. And it kind of really got me back into comics. So this is kind of the end cap on that little excursion that's been a couple years now uh, with him. And, you know, he's, you know, going back and reading like the Civil War stuff when Spider-Man and Tony were hanging out and all this good stuff. So it, it was a really interesting concept of having the Green Goblin and Carnage fused together and it left some little cliffhangers at the end uh, certain major character died and like mike said i'm not gonna spoil anything on this particular one if you'd like to read it um and my wife got me a real nice copy of the the 800 issue for christmas and everything so it's probably not the best comic in the world that came out this year but it definitely held a lot of sentimental you know places there for for friends and family yeah i mean that's that's a lot of it that has to do with it you know you you have a a connection to a character and even if it's like you said it's not the best story you're still invested in it because of the character itself so 
Yeah. And who recommended it and such. Um, exactly. Were there, I mean, were there any others that really stood out to you guys this year uh, before we move on to uh, our, our uh, very polite grilling of Steve Connolly and his life and all the things that he loves and enjoys? <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's, I have a pretty hefty list in front of me. Do it, um, if I, if I had to pick, all right, I'll just knock down, knock out a couple as quickly as possible. Um, I was not looking forward to Brian Michael Bendis coming on to Superman at DC. Um, I like the guy's work well enough, but there's a, he has a tendency to uh, have a singular voice for his characters. Um, and goddamn, do I am I happy to be proven wrong? Uh, it has been really engaging. It's been really funny. It's exploring a lot of really interesting aspects of Superman's character. Um, to give you an idea of the kind of writing on the on the book, there's a scene in Action Comics where uh, Superman uh, um, flies in the Daily Planet to check on somebody, and um, you know, you know, a bunch of people there, you know, know him personally. And as he's walking out, he stops off at one of the walls where they have a bunch of the framed front pages over the years. And it's the death of Superman photo of him like laying there dead. And there's two panels of him. He looks at it and then he looks at Jimmy and Perry and he goes, good old days and walks away. <laughs> and it's that kind of like really not super dry humor, but like very self-effacing um, uh, sort of silly humor that that's working really well in it while also being, you know, really intense and engaging. Um, and the, all the artwork is gorgeous. Ryan Sook and, and Ivan Reis. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, Mr. Conley mentioned Mr. Miracle earlier. Um, that book, I'm still not sure how I feel about the ending, um, which I will not in any way go into detail about. Uh, but it is absolutely gorgeous. Like just visually, uh, Mick Gerard is doing some really impressive stuff with his art. Um, Tom King writes heavy fucking comic books, man. Um, but one of the things that he does really, that's really interesting with Mr. Miracle is the entire thing. Uh, the, the, all the narration is done in that old sort of Lee Kirby style of very big bombastic alliterative writing. Uh, while really intense, um, some very real life situations, some very uh, not real life situations are going on. Like the, the the first issue is dealing with the attempted suicide of uh, Scott Free, um, and not even like in a big comic booky way. Like he just cuts his wrists, um, and so the and and part of the whole series is like, well, why did that happen, and and what's the fallout from that, and how does that look? if you're trying to build a family and, and be human. So it's talking about, you know, exploring the, the, you know, the regular life of a superhero while at the same time being a superhero. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend picking that up, uh, in a completely different direction. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about two more things. Um, uh, uh Donnie Cates is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers. Um, he wrote a Thanos, uh, arc, uh, that introduced a character called Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, and the Cosmic Ghost Rider <laughs> is... He's <laughs> um, all the badass Marvel characters in one. <laughs> like, mashed together. He is the Punisher that has become uh, the Ghost Rider and also was a Herald of Galactus. <laughs> and all of this shit has driven him completely insane. So he acts a lot like Deadpool... Um, so the Thanos the Thanos uh, arc is is 100 worth reading uh, because what ends up happening is some 
someone sends Cosmic Ghost Rider back in time to get Thanos to bring him forward and help them with something, um, and it turns out that it's you know old man Thanos who needs his help, uh, and it's just a big crazy bananas story. That was followed up by a Cosmic Ghost Rider miniseries wherein uh, Frank sort of has a moment of lucidity and he's like, oh man, this is all fucking craziness and I hate it. Um, I bet that I could stop this from happening. So he goes back in time to when Thanos was a baby and tries to protect him and raise him himself to prevent him from becoming the horrible monster that we all know that he is. And shockingly, it does not go well. Um, it's again, so you get both really, the Deadpool and Cable put together. <laughs> yes, it is very weird and funny and silly and ban- and just absolutely bananas. Uh, uh, Kate is also currently writing Venom, which I've not yet picked up, but I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, he's doing a, a comic called Redneck, uh, which is an image book about hillbilly vampires. <laughs> um, so yeah, this, uh, that guy is definitely on my like uh, uh, like uh, creators to watch list. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I'll talk about is there's a particular single issue that came out this year uh, that really struck me hard. Um, Mr. Monic mentioned Spider-Man earlier, and this is issue number 310 of Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. It's the last issue that Chip Zdarsky wrote, um, and he had other, like, big, bombastic, fun Spider-Man run, but he ended it with, not only did he write it, but he drew this last issue, and the story is cutting back and forth between a documentary that somebody's making about Spider-Man. So there's all these men on the street interviews about him uh, and individual moments with with uh, uh, those people sort of expanding on that, on these, uh, the, these, the commentary that they're leaving. And one in particular is a little boy, uh, you know, like 11, 12 years old, who gets caught up in, you know, doing some stupid gangster shit and basically spider-man like the, the guys who are clearly the actual bad guys get caught and kind of they go in one direction and the kid goes in the other direction and the police are going after the kid and spider-man's like just just go just leave and he lets the kid get away and later on he follows up with him and it's like the, he, he's a he's a decent enough kid but he doesn't he, he's struggling with the and so there's scenes of Spider-Man like helping this kid with his algebra homework, um, in, like fully in costume and like mom bringing them snacks and stuff. And the follow up on that is one day Spider-Man comes to see this kid and mom bursts into tears. And you find out that the guys that needed his that hired him to help him help help them, uh, uh, you know, pull this stupid robbery or something, find out he he's been friends with Spider-Man. So they, they think that he turned everybody in and they take revenge, uh, which then leads to a totally silent sequence where Spider-Man goes after them. Um, this issue overall is just, it's, it's Zdarsky talking about just how important and how much he, how important Spider-Man is and how much he loves the character. And you get to see so many different aspects of the character from him in this. Um, and they're just really beautiful human moments, uh, of, of, of one of the more human characters. And, uh, yeah, if you can track that down, it's, it's definitely worth picking up. Good stuff, man. Um, you reminded me of one that I, I forgot to mention cause you mentioned Superman and I, I read the Michael, uh, Brian Michael Bendis stuff 
for Superman. And I was actually pretty happy with it too, for the most part. Um, even though I'm not a huge Bendis fan. Um, but I ended up on a whim. A buddy of mine had a bunch of the Dark Knights metal uh, oh, issues. Oh, I love that fucking comic. It's I completely forgot that yeah. came out this year. Dude, like can we can we talk about this for a second? Like I, I it's so weird and out there and dark and strange, but it's so freaking cool. Like I've just enjoyed the hell out of it. Like it's like quick synopsis, like Batman has been investigating all of this these strange occurrences and he's been peering into the dark multiverse and like there's all these signs that something really, really bad's gonna happen and like it turns out that there's basically like an entire crew of these like dark Batmen from the dark multiverse and they're all just like these weird screwed up twisted versions of of Batman and like what if the Joker was what if Bruce Wayne was insane like the Joker but smart like it's it's just awesome you need to read it I I really can't even give you any more plot to this because it's just so there's so many moving pieces and it involves like the entire Justice League it's just it's all just wonderful stuff and it really goes into that like the gothic like almost like horror versions of like if Batman was a bad dream basically like it's it, it's good stuff. It's definitely worth a read. Um, it's so fucking bananas. It is. There, it, it's like taking all of the the big, big crazy deconstruct or, 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 or yeah deconstructed storytelling of or um, compressed storytelling of the Silver Age and just jamming it into a modern comic. Like to give you an idea of what kind of crazy shit goes on. There's a scene where Batman brandishes baby Darkseid at. Uh, I think Aquaman and, and Wonder Woman like it's a weapon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> it is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And like the, the concept that like you see seven evil alternate universe Batman arrive on Earth to kill the Justice League because their, their hatred and envy that their own universes are going to be destroyed is what's fueling them like because the, they're in the dark multiverse where like broken worlds go to die they're just like well no we can't have that so we have to destroy the justice league on earth one and it's just like all right cool i like that motivation you're mad because you're gonna die so okay great go with it like it's 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 simple it's not overly complex but at the same time there's so many moving parts that it is complex it's it's a good story in general like i've i've really really enjoyed it so far um Let's go back to our, 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 our superstar panelist today, Steve Connolly. Give us one more uh, comic book that you really, really enjoyed, and then we'll, we'll get to know a little bit about uh, the man uh, himself. Well, I was kind of excited about um, some of the kicks. I was looking over the Kickstarters I'd supported this year, and some yeah. of them were pretty good. Like, um, And then the other ones, like, um, I'm not sure if, because I was thinking about the Murder Falcon. There's Metal Shark Bro. Did you Have you seen anything about that? I'm not sure if the if it's actually gotten delivered yet but it was a big uh surprise thing this year it's like about a shark-headed uh rocket rocker I, I did see something about this yes and uh uh so i haven't seen the book yet but i was just thinking about the things that this year i thought wow that really looks beautiful um uh but, but one of the kickstarters i supported was something called uh the viking queen and um it was by travis mcintyre and paul story um, and it's a smaller comic. It was a one shot, um, and I really liked it. Uh, so I, I think that's still available online. Um, 
uh, and worth checking out. But it was a nice smaller story um, and a one shot and not a particularly big story. But I, I liked uh, that it was. Uh, yeah, I just I just like the whole thing. I'm, I'm looking over both of these. They they both look like super interesting and like the Viking Queen. I'm just reading it over right now. Yeah, no, this. Yeah, and that kind of fits. Like it's doing the same thing that you kind of do, like going you know back in time and doing something a little um, historical in the sense. But this is a little darker than what you're going for, Steve. Like there's. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, to me, it was much more of a. Um... Just trying to find something, uh, you know, off the beaten path that people yeah. maybe hadn't seen. Yeah, and especially like, especially with comics too. That sometimes that's how you find like, the best ones are the ones that are not like your typical same old, same old. Yeah, like that's. That, I mean, that's how we ha- found Murder Falcon. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I um, need Murder Falcon and, and Metal Shark Bro to like team up. I I'm serious. I'd forgotten about Metal Shark Bro. And now seeing that again, I'm feeling like I'm going to have to draw the two of them together. Yeah, <laughs> obviously playing like just like a killer set, right? Like, right? Like, like a guitar really? duel against each other or something? Well, so I mean, it would it would be it would be Metal Shark, you know, blasting you know fucking crazy ass riffs and powering up Murder Falcon. Yeah, not even <sighs> realizing that at first it, it you know he's trying to defeat him, but it turns out it powers him. <laughs> Dude, there it is. Yeah, okay. Whoever, yeah, you're welcome. There you go. There's your storyline. Uh, That's very exciting. So I wanted to transition here. Um, Steve, again, we know uh, Steve Connolly, that is. We know so much about the book that you're writing, about the Middle Age. Um, I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about, like, how you got into art in the first place. I mean, has this been something that you've always been? Because you hear these stories like, oh, I've been drawing since I was a little kid, and I've always drawn little doodles and stuff like that. I mean, is, is, is that the same kind of place you got started or like where, where did you start when did you decide you were like man this is the thing that i want to do uh uh it is like that it, it well i do think with a lot of cartoonists it's that you know we all draw when we're kids and then just some of us stop and a lot of cartoonists and artists are ones who just don't who don't stop for whatever reason um i'm not sure uh you know i, I almost I've, I've thought about the question about why do i do this and and almost always it seems to point to some sort of mental defect that you know <laughs> that there's, there's there's definitely more lucrative careers and ones that are less taxing or less time consuming um but there aren't a lot that let me express myself you know what i mean I, i've had jobs where I've, I've worked in newspapers for a while as an artist and i've i still do a lot of web de- I, web developments to grand a term i do some like wordpress web development uh and i do freelance illustration but those are always with very distinct goals set by other people i mean i still i I add a lot to every project i do but it's still fulfilling their vision whereas what i'm doing with the middle age or astounding space thrills before it or bloop uh the kind of all ages book i was doing um they're very personal um and there's something a lot more validating if less remunerative uh, with a uh, you know me drawing a silly knight fighting a uh, a giant dragon and getting three uh, patreon backers versus a big check for doing a website um, the, the big check from the website helps fund me helps afford my time so that I can spend my time drawing silly dragons and drawing silly knights things like that um, 
but more and more as the silly knights and some of the more educational comics are doing they're, they're taking up more of my time um i don't know it seems like a validation of my existence uh, because I do think that the other projects would have existed whether I was on this planet or not. I might have done them a little differently, but at the end of it all, um, the Middle Age only exists because I was on this planet. Um, whereas all the other things would have gotten done without me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it, it's it's something that's yours. It, it's not a yeah for good yeah. or ill yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> whether yeah whether it was a good thing or a bad thing um yeah and that that's i'm I, i'm a firm believer in that like i love having something that's your own and creating something instead of just uh, more or less riding the coattails of somebody else so yeah and I'm, I'm proud of all the other work i do it's it's in i like to think i do it differently and do it in a unique way so it was worth their time to work with me on it or hire me to do the thing yeah uh, maybe i do it faster or differently but um but this thing is just is just purely my own thing and it, i i've never had that vision of going to work for marvel or dc and i very rarely have ever the only time i ever worked on i've worked for some other people i did some i wrote aquaman for um dc comics for a short story and then they in like 2003 2004 they were doing their secret files or whatever of aquaman and they asked me to basically write biographies of every one of aquaman's characters so it was almost like this i didn't know a thing about aquaman um, <laughs> except for what I knew from the super friends, but I became this research project of me trying to understand everything about the character, try to write it in a way that would satisfy the hardcore Aquaman fans who exist in the world. Um, and so the projects like that just sort of came my way. Some editor knew somebody who knew somebody, or I always assume it's because somebody better than me wasn't available. Um, and so they contact me and same thing goes with the Star Trek project. You know, um, I got to write and not to write, I got to draw Star Trek Year 4 for IDW. Again, I'm presuming all the better people were unavailable. Um, and they hired me for that project. And I love Star Trek. But I never would have pursued that gig because all of that to me seems like being in a cover band. You know, in that case, it's like me on stage playing Gene Roddenberry's greatest hits. Or if I went to Marvel or DC, I'm playing Stan and Jack and Steve's greatest hits. Um, which is great if you can actually put a good spin on it the way Bendis does or way the way Dan Slott does. If you can make it your own, um, but I don't know. There's something about and that's why there's a, there's this huge market in clubs. If you want to be a cover band, if you want to play '80s night and you want to do all your Duran Duran covers, you're fine. But God forbid you want to get up on stage and play your own music. Yeah. Um, and if someone wants to play their own music, it's you know it's a definitely an uphill battle. And I'm I can't quit my day job just yet. But I love the people who come out and support me. But that's. But I'm not sure if that answers the question at all. But it kind of gets to the motivation behind oh, no, the question. It, it totally does. Yeah. Like it's. It was better than just like I like drawing pictures, and I noticed that yeah. when I draw pictures, they look like the things that I was trying to draw. So I want everyone on Earth to put my stuff on their <laughs> fridge. So it all goes back to childhood or something like that. Done and done. Uh, Steve so that Martin. actually could. Yeah, yeah that kind of actually segues beautifully into the question I had in mind that I wanted to ask. So. Um, the, the simple the too long didn't read version is is there something that you haven't done yet that's nagging in the back of your mind that you want to do but like so let's say you were that guy that won the mega millions and you had 15 gajillion dollars now that time you are dedicating to making a paycheck to actually pay your bills that time is now freed up for you what is something that you haven't had the time to do that you really want to do what projects out there in your mind that just needs to get from your mind out to the world I think it would be the middle age. 
I think what I would do with that kind of funding, I would sp- I would be able to produce more pages per week because I wouldn't be distracted with other work. Um, I would spend that money hiring a good accountant and <laughs> uh, and probably commissioning art, like you know. That that it, that that comic of mine that would go into the direct market would have a, a Mike Mignola cover, you know, would have a ridiculous Alex Ross cover of my ridiculous character. The sort of thing that would allow me to make to to increase the amount of art in the world by hiring an artist, spending that money on artists, and then making my work, making my the product that I'm selling better. When I did my Astounding Space Thrills series in boy 20 years ago now, the first issue came into the direct market in '98. Uh, the cover was a collaboration between myself and Jim Steranko. And it was, I got all, I got all this write up, all this press from like a big write up in the uh, Diamond Previews and in Wizard Magazine of all places for an independent, a black and white indie book like mine. And then issue that I realized that I should never buy an ad in the, ever. I should just hire artists and have their work on my cover and then get the, you know, and then get the attention that way. I got way more than, I don't know, two grand worth of advertising out of getting one cover by the Hildebrands um, for one of my books. And then Drew Strazan did the cover of issue three. Um, I just went after all these great artists and saying, okay, make my covers better, make my book better. And I think that if I had access to more funds, uh, but that's not necessarily a dream project. I think my dream project would be to try to figure out a way to have a online community that would allow cartoonists to promote their work in a way that isn't strangled by algorithms because right now comic conventions are pricing the little guy out um the table prices tend to be getting more and more expensive it's a lot harder for new guys and gals to get their work into in in front of people and if you promote yourself on social media one of the things that social media likes showing people is stuff you've already clicked like on so if you like pictures of cats you're going to see more pictures of cats but if someone wants to share a picture of a i don't know uh, a penguin. No, you. There's no history of you liking penguins, so we're not going to show you this new thing. And I feel like so, what we're a lot of what what we're doing is in in the independent side of things is we're showing you something new. Um, and I'd love to be able to reach more people. I did a weird jam cover, not a jam cover, but it was a, a mashup of on a sketch cover, and it was I don't know if you saw this one, Mike, on Facebook at all, but it was a picture of Black Manta. It was on an Aquaman sketch cover. And it's Black Manta, and Black Manta is removing his helmet, and it's Stewie's head. Yes, because I did I'm... see that. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> because, god. Because <laughs> Black Manta's head is shaped like Stewie, yeah. and I always wondered why he has such a ridiculous shaped head. Um, and the typical post of mine on Instagram gets fifty likes, sixty likes, and that one got like seven hundred. There was something about DC characters, the kind of weird whatever that algorithm was that shared that with so many more people. Uh, I'd love to find a way or build a thing and I, th- I think it's doable a place where people could go and and become like the iTunes for uh, uh, the sorry I, the Apple podcasts you know how iTunes helps curate and keep track of the podcast you like to watch yeah. and listen to yeah. the, I think web comics need something like that they need a place where you can book RSS readers used to have this you know for all I know it's just re- finding a way to package RSS readers again but um, but I, I think you know what I love about the Apple's podcast system is that every time you all have a new episode, it's right there. I can't miss one. Um, and I wish there was the same thing existed in uh, in web comics 
and not just like within a single service. Like you can do that with Tapas, you can do that with Webtoons. Yeah. But it'd be great for all the indies guys to have that uh, ability as well. Dude, I'm I'm with you. Like I if tomorrow it it turns out that we won the Mega Millions, like what I one of the things that I would do is I would try to I would expand GGR exponentially because I, I've said on on many occasions like I'm so tired of this wonderful tool that we have that is the internet being used for such horrible awful hate like so many angry just just ridiculously like spiteful people when we could we should be using it to share these wonderful things like i would want to share more of your stuff and rambo's stuff and like any other artists like that that's what this was meant this was what this was built for is for us to share with the world not to you know, troll each other and like make fun of each other, and that—that's what I would—I would try to do something good with with it. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm totally with you. You hear that, Portland? Make this guy independently wealthy so we can get this done. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have money out there in Oregon. Come on, hook us up. Um, I want to. Okay, so we we've talked about like the the art side of things. Um, I also want to talk about like when you're not doing art. Like, I mean, what what are you watching on on like Netflix or on Hulu or on TV right now? Like, what's your what's your go to right now? Um, I'm, I like the the new Star Trek series called Orville. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm actually really enjoying that too. And I loved your sketch that you did of uh, crap. What's the guy's name? Dave. Oh, uh, uh, Dan. 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 Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Dan. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name, but yeah, like I really enjoyed that. That was that was good. But I'm enjoying the Orville as well. That was one of the things I'm trying to do this year. And uh, I would watch TV. I would watch the. Uh, I'd binge something. Like I just finished watching season three of The Magicians. Um, but trying instead of surfing, uh, looking at Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and looking at the same subset of pre-selected data that I, that they want me to look at, instead of wasting my time with that, I'm trying to spend more time doing some fan art. So that's my hope in 2019. I still I, I still have too much work to do right now to spend that much time doing it. But I'm but in lieu of social media browsing, I will be um, uh, spending more time doing fan art like that piece. But I uh, just watched the. Uh, the Magician season three, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was kind of a rocky first couple of seasons, but season three, uh, I'd put up against any other show right now. Uh, pretty ballsy and fun. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, I did like the new Star Trek series. Um, I thought the shorts were better than the the series so far. Oh, the series talking, is yeah. talking about Discovery. Yeah, it, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, Discovery. Uh, Discovery had just was sloppy from I think beginning to end. I think they just went from. It's the problem I have with things like Sherlock and the some of the seasons of Doctor Who is that they went from surprise to surprise without cleaning up the mess behind them ever. Yeah. It was sort of like one explosion after another, and then just just a mess. Yeah. And I enjoyed every explosion, but every once in a while, if you ever had a second to get your bearings, you'd be like, "Wait, wait, what about all those other things we were talking about a second ago?" Um, I kind of feel like Discovery had that same problem, and they didn't know how to end it. Um, yeah, the ending was 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 poor at best. Is, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, like it just was. But the shorts, yeah. but the shorts were great. The one that Shaban wrote, Michael Shaban wrote one. Um, and the 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 anyway, I won't spoil them. But the, I've been enjoying those. Yeah, no, and I, I've I've oh, and, not and yet the, watched them, but yeah, I've I've got to I've got to pick those up. But I've I've heard nothing but good things about them so far. But the best show on TV right now, I think, is The Good Place. Oh That's yeah. So great. Oh yeah, yeah, the one with with Kristen Bell. Yeah, no, uh-huh. I, and Ted Danson. Yeah, that's it's. I didn't. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did because I've heard people talk about it, and then I, I watched a couple episodes, and I was like, all right, um, 
I'm in. Let's do this. And yeah, I've I've been enjoying that too. Let me ask you, Steve. Um, when, how much of a culture shock has it been going going from the D.C. area to Florida for you? Like, first off, weather-wise, it's completely different. But like food-wise, like, are, are you able to find like like restaurants that you like, or is it just kind of like a, a completely different world down there? Ah, uh, it is weird. I grew up on Long Island in New York, yeah. and uh, so I'm actually getting better pizza than I did. When I was in when I was in Virginia, I feel or, or not better, more New York style everything like black and white cookies and bagels and uh, oh yeah, uh, and things like that. I can find them all down here because it's such a displaced New so so many displaced New Yorkers. Yeah, um, not displaced, but uh, That's New where York they go to retire. Yeah, they go there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So build but, build those things for the retired New Yorkers, and you'll make money. Yeah, but you know, it's it's tough finding some food. Um, it's tough finding good Thai food or, um, or pho. Like it's like a really limited number of places to go. But uh, culture-wise, it's very different. In the Washington D.C. area, if you go to a coffee shop, but even if Starbucks, every third table's got a laptop with someone who's part of a startup or going to school or building their career. It's such an industrious, uh, ambitious, optimistic area. I mean, it might be it might feel a little cutthroat. But um, or posery because people are I don't know maybe a little more shallow. Uh, but I, I I think that's an illusion. I uh, I I feel like the people in D.C. have a lot more hope. Um, down in Florida, it is um, far more blue collar. The interests are far more seem to be at least in my experience of uh, not not just the, not that not just the fact that people are older. And I don't think the people down here are necessarily. Old, old as a percentage there's more old people but it's not like there's more old people than virginia it's just that there's less young people you know yeah. what i mean yeah so there's no traffic here it's the best <laughs> there's absolutely zero traffic so i do not miss the beltway at all yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh but there's there's it's all about survival paycheck to paycheck and not a lot of ambition and I see glimmers of it every once in a while, but it's, um, yeah, there was, a, there definitely was a culture shock. Wow. I didn't even, yeah. I, I work, um, my day job when I'm not doing this thing, I work with clients in Florida almost exclusively. And like, that's not really something I ever thought of. And that's, that makes a lot of sense too, because like, for instance, one of the things that I've noticed is housing prices down there are vastly cheaper than they are in this area. Like it is yes. ridiculously less expensive to live down there. But I think that also too, the cost of living is less down there. I mean, you make, you basically you make less money down there than you would up here. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your, you, you mentioned that you're getting some good, you know, New York pizza and you're getting some of these things that you grew up with cause you grew up on long Island. Um, what has been like your favorite go-to sandwich? This is a question I ask every single guest we have on here. What is Steve Connolly's favorite sandwich? Uh, pastrami Reuben. I can't have them that often. I sh- well, my doctor would tell me I shouldn't have them that often, but I, I, I love them. <laughs> they're they, they're the, they're the. I just think if my doctor showed up, he just she would just slap it right out of my hand. They're <laughs> I love them. They're just uh, t- but I just know they're terrible for me, and I I couldn't I wouldn't want one more than once a season, yeah. but. Uh, uh, because it's so bad for me, but, uh, yeah, that's, that would be the best. That's a good, good choice. 
Um, when you're when you're drawing, give me give me a little bit of insight on here, and, and then we'll we'll go ahead and wrap things up here in a couple minutes. Um, when you're drawing, are do you is it like complete silence for you? Do you have like TV shows on in the background? Do you listen to music? Like, what's your just just binging GGR Pirate Radio on a oh, loop? Listen every, to this guy <laughs> through my through through this. I've got so this. Take the check went through then. Or? Yeah, the Portland. <laughs> it's funnel. It's funnel through a Portland. Uh, IP address. I don't Sweet. know if that shows up on your log. <laughs> I, I, appreci- I appreciate that. Uh, flat, flattery will get you everywhere, sir. Uh, when I'm when I'm writing, it's got to be uh, music I'm not familiar with. It's got to be I like soundtracks stuff. Stuff that doesn't have anything that's going to hook into my brain. It's got to be new stuff, so I'm not tapping along or thinking about it. It's it's uh, basically I have to be able to fi- focus on the writing. Once I'm in the drawing and inking, it, it can be pretty much anything. So it's usually podcasts. Um, uh, or really anything at that point. Okay, yeah. And another question we ask everybody, and if you can't come up with all five, because I did not prompt you before this, so it is not easy to come up with, but give me some of your favorite like musicians and bands of all time. Like if you had to make a, a list of like five, um, like who are your favorite musicians pretty much ever? Like if they were in concert... You would, wow. you would drop whatever you were doing to do or like they they take up the the good majority of your playlist when it comes to like their songs being on your list it is weirdly eclectic i would i mean if you of all time then you're going to do things get like, like louis jordan or sam cook or you know a queen um that's that's just me jumping on the bandwagon now apparently uh <laughs> uh because apparently there's a movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were never big before that, right? Like, no, no. Ever no, heard of them. no one's ever heard of them. Um, of all time, that's like uh, that's tough because that, that, that starts getting that desert island set yeah. of criteria, and I think I, I got to basically give up everybody else. Uh, pick somebody weird because Sam Cooke and Louis Jordan are just too uh, universal and awesome. Um, I don't know. Men at work. Let's pick them. Let's be weird um, and silly. Good choice, though. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, and Howe. That one album they did when it was like the that super group. Um, they did like one album. I would probably listen to that every once in a while. I get a, I get a hankering for that. <laughs> or the Traveling Wilburys. Let's do that. Oh, dude. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That- I'm with that. Like I'm a, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan and I did a, I did a side project where I was basically like, I talked kind of about his life and times and I delved really deeply into the traveling Wilburys albums and like just was blown away about the story behind it. And like, I didn't realize that everybody that was in that group, like it's that you want to talk about super groups, man. I mean, it was, it was Tom Petty, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynn of, uh, ELO, um, and then you also had Roy Orbison just show up randomly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a friggin' super group, dude. And it, and they were just killer music. Yeah, they were great. For the Desert Island purposes, with Men at Work, I will go ahead and throw in all of Colin Hayes' solo uh, material. Absolutely. Looking for Jack or any of his uh, solo albums. Colin James Hay, his early stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was all it was all good stuff, man. Huge. Um, Huge nerd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there other than the middle? I mean, is the middle age pretty much taken up all your time or do you have any other projects that you've got lined up? 
Uh, I'm looking at doing a collection of my... I did a science fiction series ages ago, like I was mentioning. It's in, it started in 1998. It was called Astounding Space Thrills. Yeah. And um, I'm looking at doing a collection of that material. So there might be a Kickstarter in the spring for a... I think I just missed the 20th anniversary, but at least a finally taking some of that stuff that's older and kind of low res um, or that just can't really be opened in modern programs. I've got to take them through this gauntlet of applications and software and older Macs to bring them into the modern day and reprinting that material. It had a lot of fans back in the day, and I think it's just, you know, uh, maybe some of my newer fans would be interested in it. But for the most part, the Middle Ages is my focus. I, I I've got so much to do with this story that any new t- any free time I have, I want to spend doing that. What I've done with the, when I launched the Middle Age, I built it around my Patreon. And I said that once I get to 100 patrons every month, that I'll do two strips a week. And I'm almost there. I've kind of been hovering there for the last month or so. Um, and so I'm really hoping that once I get a few more patrons, anyone listening, uh, I love Portland. Um, <laughs> if... Uh, if anybody jumps on board there, that um, I'll have two strips a week. And I'd just like to spend more time doing this story. I mean, at some point, this story might get done, but I can imagine working on it for another couple of years. Um, and fingers crossed that this year, you know, reaches a few more people and, you know, becomes my, my day job. I'd like that. Well, I mean, you're we are we are all big fans. So, I mean, we will we will push this as hard as we possibly can. And and get the word out to the people of Oregon and let them know um, and hopefully gain some more fans in Virginia and Maryland and DC and Pennsylvania. And, and honestly, like we're starting to grow in Florida too, because my, my, uh, like I said, I got some family down there. They've been spreading the word. Um, maybe people will be like, Hey, I heard you on GGR pirate radio. So you never, you never know. Or vice versa, vice versa. Somebody might be like, Hey, we're listening to GGR pirate radio because we heard Steve Connolly was on. So, and so and my website is middleagecomic.com. That's the main URL. And my Patreon page is patreon.com slash Steve Connolly. And that's uh, C O N L E Y. But you can find all of this linked on your website, Steve Correct. Yep. Yep. Well, there you go. And as a Steve myself, we're talking Steven with a V, not a PH, correct? Right, right. Well, no, I mean, the yeah, for URL purposes, it's a V. I just, I'm just trying to imagine Steve spelled with, not Steve in, but Steve's, S-T-E-P-H-E. Steffi? No. Hey, no. yeah, there's some weirdos out there. <laughs> there <are> some weird, <laughs> there's some weirdos out there, man. You don't know. You don't know the stuff we have to go through yeah. at Steve's. Yeah, the one that always gets me is when Michael, uh, when people spell Michael M I C H E A L, and I'm like, that's Michelle. Ugh, just, okay, just close enough. Thank you. <laughs> just call me Mike. Mike's easier. It's four letters. You don't have to worry about it. M I C H. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Or M I C, like the microphone. I'm like, yeah, that's Mick. Got okay. <laughs> the effort's there. I appreciate it. Um, Steve Connolly, again, thank you so much for joining us, man. Um, again, as you heard. He's got a website, steveconnolly.com. The website, it's themiddleage.com. He's got a Patreon. Look him up. It's Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Connolly, C-O-N-L-E-Y. Look him up on Patreon. Uh, his, we love his stuff. Uh, ooh, ooh, I want to clarify. I want to clarify. It's, it's middleagecomic.com. Oh, geez, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no it's okay. Every time. Middleagecomic.com. Yep. Yeah. If you look it up on Facebook, it's it's themiddleage.com. That's, that's what always throws me off. Yeah, okay. it's confusing. But uh, the, the the good domain wasn't available when I kind of got into it, and I'm not going to pay those nosebleed prices. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Steve, we, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much for your time, and, and just keep it up. Keep up the good work, man. Like, it's 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 always awesome to see 
somebody doing well and, and getting a good response for for things that deserve it. And 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 we're just we're we couldn't be happier to see that that this is this project is going well for you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. And thanks right, for thanks, uh, editing out all my sobbing. There was a lot of <laughs> that whole section in the middle there where I was crying. I'm glad you guys cut that out of the episode. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Yeah. We have, we haven't guaranteed that we're gonna cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> we might say we might save that and remix that and use that for an intro or something like that. So. Steve, you did not demand final approval, and that was really your mistake. <laughs> Damn it. All your fault, kindly. Way to go. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. This Amen. is uh, for for Steve Monick, for James Rambo, and for our guest Steve Connolly. My name is Mike Lunsford, and this has been another episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!